goes. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscara, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. What's your name, man? I told you it doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff, and you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. It is Friday, a day before ETSU will be on the road to take on the Mercer Bears and. The one thing we know for sure, the Bucks and Bears have played two entertaining ball games the last two times they played. The first one you kind of want to throw out the window is the first year ETSU had football back. That was actually a game in which Mercer paid ETSU to go down there. It was the first year. Bucks really didn't even really get off the bus, hear the gun go off, whatever terminology you want to use. The very next year, Bucks went back down to Macon and had the ball uh, driving inside Bear territory. Uh, had a tip ball interception in the game for him. And then, of course, last year, the dramatics, the uh, pass to Jawan Stinson with a victory in overtime. So all signs point to another good ball game between the Bucks and the Bears. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, another edition of Sandos and the sidekick. Bold predictions. Predictions. Coming up a little later on. And, of course, our out tree. Austin Heron going to be along for two segments. Back to the traditional route tree this week last week's was fun uh, i enjoyed it certainly but i uh, got some feedback from listeners that they prefer the more laid out in-depth scenarios rather than it's an immediate gratification society right jay sando so they say we got to wait to find out what happens with these and the long play is not really where people appreciate it so we're going back to the old one even though austin herring once again did pull rabbits out of the hat last week largely thanks to the route tree i would imagine i'm assuming that um for the most part, people want to hear your totally obnoxious, made-up scenarios. <laughs> that, that's what I'm assuming. They are obnoxious. And, and, and since you hammer the Patriots in a lot of them, I'm assuming that people like that, too. I so. think people like when we make fun of you and things that's that you fair. like. And then they also enjoy the absurdity, because that's what talk radio is all about, right? And this podcast is no different. We obviously like to talk some between the lines in the trenches, you know, on the court when basketball season comes around and is here. We had uh, Russell Steinberg on earlier this week, and we've got another big basketball guest coming up next week. We're kind of going around the country on basketball, but right now in the trenches, between the hashes, whatever you want to say. But then there's also the outrageous part of this show, which, let's be honest, is most of it. Yeah, and that's uh, you know the we try to have fun, right? We do bring you good guests, as you say. We we do talk a lot of uh, different types of sports and such that um, you know brings it all together. We try to bring in guests from the other team. We try to bring in national, regional people. But in the same token, we like to have fun. I mean, it, it's uh, if we I, here's my theory: if 
me and you can't entertain ourselves for an hour. We're not entertaining anybody else for an hour. Correct. So we should have fun with it. There should be things to do. And we do get a good segment with Austin Herrick where we're going to be able to talk, you know, legitimate football, coming back, what that was like, thought process, all that good fun stuff. But in the same token, we also have to look at it at a point to where – uh, how do we have fun with Austin? What do we do? And, you know, he wants to be an AD or a coach and wants to be a decision maker, and you take him to task, even if the scenarios are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they got to be ridiculous. Uh, there's no – and I'm worried – now, football seasons are very long, right? But I'm worried that my knowledge of past scenarios is eventually going to run out, and then I'm going to have to dive deep a very uh, – extensive plunge into uh, the archives of sports history to find some things that even I'm not so familiar with. Now, I wonder after football season, this is a little on-air production meeting, I guess, have we thought about, is Austin Herrick going to keep coming on uh, just for fun? I think so. I think so, too. If he's up for it, of course. Well, the travel schedule for basketball is much tougher because – a lot of guest the, host Austin Herrick. Yeah, that's, oh, that's it. So that he uh, fill in guy. He loves hoops. Yep. I don't know if you know that. Big basketball fan goes to a lot of the inch ETSU games. That's yep. right, thirty nine inch Burt Jobby. That's impressive. Uh, I, I did mine, so I cheated. So when we went up to uh, Cape Cod this summer for vacation, we go about every three four years. We there, you get a. We went to the Patriot Hall of Fame, and one of the things they do there is Devin McCourty has a ridiculous vertical. And so you actually stand there and you slap the wall, and it measures where your first reach is, and then you jump and slap the wall, and it gives you your vertical. Well, I've discovered I have very long arms, so I've discovered to short arm the first one. <laughs> so then when I jump, I get extra inches on the old vert. Or vert. And right. so my wife didn't know any better. She takes a photo, and she goes, oh, my goodness, look, my, my husband can still jump, which at one time I could. Yeah. But clearly at 41 and bad back and some other things later, I cannot. Uh, so I got about an extra six to seven inches on the old vertical, and she put it out there 32 inches, and she's like, what in the world? Well, look you, how athletic I am. you got to appreciate your wife having your back. It sounds like the relationship is healthy because she suspended she the disbelief. She, she suspended the disbelief and said, you know what, I'm going to believe this even though clearly I have a very unathletic and somewhat at this point your back is it feels like darn near handicap status so at at that point I'm thinking that she should know but the fact that she said forget it I'm gonna believe this good for her a little bit of a walking wounded, which is a good transition because Mercer is the walking wounded as well. They certainly have uh, two guys up in the air. Their all-time leading rusher and T. Mitchell running back that left in the first quarter last game for the Bears. And then their second, and I'm going to say this again in air quotes, their second string quarterback who's taken over, Keelan Riley, who was the freshman of the year last year, lost his job to redshirt freshman, another Chattanooga product, and Robert Riddle. Uh, and then he broke his collarbone at the end of the Citadel game. Uh, Riley's taken over, played very well. As you would imagine, he started every game the year before. He's a great dual-threat guy. He runs better than Ridley runs. Ridley throws the ball a little better. But certainly the offense didn't didn't miss a lot. They were still putting up almost 500 yards of total offense with him. So if he can't go, they've got to go to what I believe is a walk-on quarterback. Harrison Frost. So Harrison Frost could be the quarterback. Even if Riley does go, it's going to be hard to imagine he's at 100%. Yeah, that's, I think, the important point is figuring out exactly – how healthy that he and T. Mitchell can be. And Harrison Frost, when he came in last week, was, I think, 5 for 8, 61 yards and a score. He didn't look like much of a slouch either. I'll tell you this, and this doesn't have much to do with this year's game, but I certainly am 
I don't want to say excited because I think it's the opposite. I'm almost a bit fearful of what Robert Riddle can do if we do see him at some point during his career, and I'm sure we will because apparently he's good enough to overtake the freshman of the year for his own quarterback spot. But if we have to see either Riley or Riddle for years to come, uh, it doesn't bode well for opponents. So Mercer has a great quarterback situation, but drain down to your third string. I don't care how good your first and second string are if you're all the way down to your third string because the depth is only going to be so extensive for a program because you got to figure if Harrison Frost uh, was any sort of uh, highly touted, legitimate type quarterback, at least in program's eyes when he was coming out of high school, that he would be at another school. He wouldn't be sitting third string for Mercer. So he may be able to do a ton like he showed last week, granted in a very small sample size, but definitely when you're talking to drop down to your third string, no matter how good first, second, and third are, you're going to be hurting a bit. I'm curious, too, because, again, new rule in college football. You can, you know, if they were going to redshirt somebody, maybe they just to want to have a third guy on the road that's a scholarship guy, you know, do they say, well, you know what we can do? We can play him these last couple games, still have an outside shot at the playoffs, but um, e- even if no shot at the playoffs, we get somebody some game experience and yeah. it won't burn his red shirt. Right. And I think that's a, a, a good thing to look at as far – and that's why the rules really put into place for college football. It's so physical that in a normal situation, you either go with the walk-on or you had to burn a guy to play two games. Now a guy can play two games that doesn't count against him. So we'll have to wait and see. It's a little bit of cat and mouse game. Rick Cameron, of course, gave us about the same answer that I honestly would would have given if uh, ETSU had a quarterback injury situation on another team's podcast, right? So he gave us a little bit of that. I, I will say this. I was shocked that uh, Isaiah Bueller, and I saw him leave one of the – I'm trying to think I watched the Citadel game already, and Isaiah Bueller did leave with leg injury. I know he left the second game with the same leg injury. Mm. That's concerning because he was preseason all-league defensive end. He's been a four-year starter for him. He's sort of that anchor, not not quite as good as Miles Brown at Wofford, maybe not – Nasir player, but if there was a third guy, he would be it, right? He would be right behind those two, and I think that's high praise, but in the same token, that shows you why they're struggling in the run defense. Yeah, I mean, if they have any more injuries at all on the defensive side, they can't afford anything because already it's been a real struggle. They're giving up 522 yards per game. That's essentially a tie for last in the league, and 232 of those are on the ground. So for ETSU, their offense should be licking their chops uh, and putting up 45 last week has to be encouraging. Second time they've done that this year, of course, aided by overtime and 25-yard fields. But still, the offense turned it on late in order to get to overtime. So Mercer's defense really has been an issue, as has Western Carolina's. And Mercer's, um, I I would say, point-wise, they're being able to bend, not break a little bit more than Western Carolina has. But regardless, when it comes to Quay Holmes, Jacob Saylors, Austin Herrick, Kobe Kelly, TJ Spagnoletti, Again, much like the Western Carolina game, this is a great chance to come together, form some continuity, and then you've got the bye week, two weeks to prepare for a Sanford team, and depending on the outcome this week, you may very well need that game to get into the playoffs and win a conference title. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the Bucks, who again have not played great on the road. I mean, no. I know they've two three point wins. They've snuck them out. Yeah, but honestly, lucky to. To win the game against VMI, defense was out of control. Defense again sort of led the way. And, and I'm fine with the defense anchoring a team. Don't get me wrong. I, I think, you know, if you're going to win championships, you know, people talk about it all the time. It's got to be the defense, defense. and I'm fine with all that. I just think at some point in time the offense is going to have to make enough plays 
because you never know if a defense either just a bad night, there's a bad break, there's a a tip ball instead of interception, a tip ball goes to the receiver and scores. I mean, there's just different things that could come into play. The Bucks did have success running the ball the first year, just didn't have any points, missed a couple field goal opportunities. The next year, they did a great job of getting up and down the field and getting points on the board. They just couldn't finish off the game. So, um, uh, And then last year, again, uh, they got up and down the field, had trouble running the ball, but they were able to make plays in the passing game and, again, pick up the win. So I'm curious to see if that ground game that we saw start to churn back up last week against Western, the ground game can get going. And then, again, see if Austin can't uh, get a little bit of momentum going, throwing the football. And it was good to see reemergence of Braxton Richburg. I thought it was great to see Ari Warts back out there. Again, he had a banged-up shoulder into the game. You know, and Nasir player's a question mark, too. You don't talk about players. Right. He didn't finish the game. So where yeah. will he be on that defensive front? Yeah, concussion protocol. And that that's one of those up-in-the-air things. You probably won't know until – Day of again, just one more point on Mercer's offense. Even if they don't have Mitchell and Riley, this is a team that's second in the league in scoring. It's a team that's fourth in the league in yards. They're no slouch. And while obviously running back and quarterback are key positions, if you have Frost and Devison rather than Riley and Mitchell, yeah, probably a little bit of a downgrade. But it's not like this team was holding on just because of those players. Again, I know, quarterback and running back, probably the two most important positions if you're talking snap for snap on an offense. And I understand that. But I don't think it's going to be easy for ETSU, even if they're not out there that being Riley and Mitchell. Make sure that you watch the turnover game, and I don't want to sound like Coach Sanders or uh, any coach that we talk about really and talk to every week on the show, but it is true with turnovers, uh, and this is a little bit of foreshadowing for bold predictions as well. ETSU has really the entire year been on the better side of zero for the turnover margin, but they've thrown five interceptions in the last two weeks, and they're back to even. 18 turnovers for, 18 turnovers they've given away. So turnovers could very well be the main thing that decides this game, as most games are, but specifically with how ETSU's turned the ball over lately. And if you think about all the things that maybe had to break ETSU's way, three turnovers, zero points for Western off the turnovers – including that overtime with the missed field goal. I mean, for Western, you got to be just – I mean, I had to leave that game just thinking, what in the oh. world happened? How did we lose that? How will they recover? Because they got a big match. ETSU fans need to be pulling for Western Carolina this weekend, probably need to be pulling for Furman this weekend as well uh, to try to pick up some wins, again, to help with uh, standings, help with tiebreakers, help with a lot of things that, that, that need to happen. But the first most important thing is obviously ETSU needs to take care of their business against Mercer on Saturday. Yeah, if you would have told Austin Herrick, Randy Sanders, the rest of the coaching staff in the program that Herrick would have had one touchdown and three interceptions and the Bucks would have scored 45 points, I think they probably would have said, you're crazy. Uh, turnovers need to be cut out like Randy Sanders said earlier this week in the Monday press conference. And it wouldn't hurt, especially if Harrison Frost is in there to get a couple of interceptions on ETSU side, Tyree Robinson, Karan Del- that tall in that defensive secondary and maybe rip a ball out from a backup like Tyree Devison. Yeah, and I, I think that's – it's going to be important for that. To that, that they The other thing is Mercer's a rhythm team. Bobby Lamb, he's a very much a uh, – he's a very dynamic play caller. I know he's given up some of those duties. I'm still sure he has a lot to say it. But they're a very rhythm team. So once they get the first first down, the second first, they get going. Trick plays, we've seen the Bucks give up uh, big yardage on trick plays. Bobby Lamb probably leads the country in design trick plays. We've seen 
all kind. Now I will say this: the very first game ETSU played at Mercer, they ran a trick play, and the Bucks were able to pick it off. Yeah. Uh, and and they stopped. The next year they went down there and they were able to stop the, the second sort of trick play. The game up here, it wasn't so much a trick play. They had kind of set it up, set it up. I don't call it a trick play because there wasn't anything more than a, a quarterback kind of sprint out, and they've been running some option. Next thing you know, he throws it over the top. So I don't want to call it a trick play, but it's a good setup play. So, But he's one for three against ETSU on that. Um, he's hit a higher percentage against other teams, um, and so I think that's going to be important. Besides turnovers, which I think will be a very important uh, game uh, part of the game, I think they can't get beat over the top again, looking at not paying attention to their keys, not doing whatever, uh, getting lost in the backfield. One score game one way or another again? Yes. That's I, what I'm thinking, I, too. I'll, well, that's what the Bucks do, first of all. <laughs> I, think be, I think your bold predictions Specific- say somebody wins by double digits. That's got to be right. a bold prediction. So, right. Speaking of that, that's coming up a little later. Bold predictions uh, will be coming up. Austin Herring next two segments. Got to step aside for a timeout. It says Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Congrats. You made it. <laughs> Through National Ice Cream Day, National Hot Dog Day, and even National Sunglasses Day, you took on the heat, took care of the yard, and even took a vacation. But now it's October, and you finally have a chance to breathe. And with that chance to breathe also comes a chance for fun when you play new October Instant Games. Pick up one of four new games for a chance to win $1,000 up to a million dollars. Fall into some fun with new October Instant Games from the Tennessee Lottery. Game-changing fun. Please play responsibly. Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Are you having fun at bad time? Mm, you smell fresh as spring. Hey, Frank, is this lettuce ready for the customers? No. No, not yet. Frank, they're perfect. Let go of the cart. No. Frank, now. But I didn't get to say goodbye. At Food City, our produce experts are passionate about offering the freshest fruits and vegetables around. We're Food City, and we're very picky about produce. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you
you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. The Route Tree with Austin Herrick. We have bold predictions coming up, and the actual Route Tree, the segment itself, is right around the corner in which we'll actually depart from football for the first time in the Route Tree, Austin Herrick. I know you're a big basketball guy, and I want to ask you off the top here. Basketball and the NBA in particular now versus, and I know you're just a fledgling at this point, but the Jordan years, the very, very tail end of the Jordan years is, is about where you came into existence. And so I'm not sure if you've looked back at that at all, but the idea of Jordan versus the field or the NBA as it is now with the incredible storylines, LeBron James, the Warriors, what do you take? I take it now. Um, wow. I think there's just a lot going on now. I think there's, um, you know, there there really is only one team that's got a shot at winning it all, similar to kind of how it was in the 90s. But um, I think the NBA is really exciting. You've got a lot of superstars. I think um, there's more skilled players now than there were then. I mean, you didn't have guys like Joel Embiid who could, you know, who's seven foot and can shoot the three. Um, you've got guys like Steph Curry who can shoot like no one's seen before. And then, you know, LeBron James just – you know, I don't know that we've ever seen anything like him. So, And he's continuing to get better, which is crazy. But, um, yeah, you mentioned D. Rose last night. You mm. know, what a great story. You know, all the adversity he's battled. And, 50. You know, oh. Put up 50. That's, yeah. that's really neat. So Yeah, we're taping this early. This is the Thursday edition of the Route Tree. Austin Herrick and the ETSU Buccaneers on the road at Mercer. They're leaving uh, tomorrow, I'm guessing, late morning, early afternoon to go down to, to Macon. Uh, let me see if I can compare the NBA to something like this. Like in professional wrestling, we talked about Vince McMahon and the XFL a couple weeks ago on the route tree. It's kind of like having that really good heel, the Warriors, that everyone loves to root against because they're the best. They're as good as it gets, and they've got so many guys. Like having a uh, an evil faction in WWE that just like come out and ruin everybody's day or match, you know, every single time that they get the chance. So it almost seems like that. So when inevitably the Warriors do fall, because I don't know if it's going to happen this year, next year, the year after, but inevitably when it does, it will be one of the most incredible storylines of a bunch of great storylines that the NBA's had. Yeah, no, I, I think everyone's kind of waiting for that moment, but they just keep getting better. You know, right when you think someone's just overtaking them, like when the Cavs beat them, they go add Kevin Durant. And then, you know, this year you're thinking, ah, oh, there's some they things can't going get better, on. right? Then they get Boogie Cousins. Yeah. I remember getting that news and the alert on my phone. I was just so mad. Like, Ugh. how did this even happen? So, um, yeah, that'll happen at some point. I don't know whether someone will beat them or they'll break up, but um, personally, I can't wait till that happens. Now, are you graduating after this semester? And, of graduate school, yeah. Okay, so. and so you're going to be done in December. Mm-hmm. We, me and Jay were throwing around the idea, and you're going to go on to 
bigger things, better things, wherever it is. Not that there is anything much better right now than this season for ETSU football, but we got to have you on, I think, until you're done with school. We were trying to figure out, like, okay, well, is it going to be we're going to cut it off right after football season, or and hopefully, hey, hopefully the team's still playing up through graduation, yeah. right? That'd be fantastic. But um, we were like, oh, what would we talk about? And they're just like, what would we talk about? We can talk with Austin Herrick about, Herrick about anything. It can be basketball, it can be football, it can be the NFL, college football, college basketball. So if you're cool with doing it through the end of your time here at ETSU, I think we're in as well. Yeah, and I may be here next semester. I'm not sure. It okay. depends if I get a GA job somewhere or not. Gotcha. Um, if not, I'll be here hanging out, probably working some job. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I'd love to. I love doing this stuff. Awesome. Uh, I don't even know what to say about this team anymore. We, me and Jay were talking about it on Monday as we kind of transitioned into talk about last week and then this coming week for ETSU football. The games get no bigger, and every one that's coming up is bigger than the last, it seems like. And we talked for about 45 minutes on Monday's show, no guests, no nothing, just to kind of recap everything that happened against Western Carolina because, much like Randy Sanders said post-game, he came up to the booth, and they are trying to recap the end of the fourth quarter when that comeback started, and he was like, I might have to bust out the box score and see what happened. Like, that seems like games ago. You know, it seems like so long ago, but... I mean, just another incredible comeback, uh, adverse conditions. Uh, you always talk about how you're prepared for the rain and always practice out uh, at the stadium no matter what, and I think it's probably for situations like that, right? And uh, the rain, the cold, and the fans started to kind of file out at a number of different points, and, uh, geez, here in studio, you know, we were three or four different times like, uh, game's over. And then all of a sudden, Austin Herrick gets on his white horse and leads the team to come back again. Now, I know you're going to say uh, it's 11 guys, and absolutely it is, and it took a lot of different things to happen for that comeback to be possible. So talk about just from your eyes how that looked and how it stacked up maybe against Furman's comeback. Yeah, it's hard to compare those. You know, yeah. I, I think that last one was pretty cool just because the overtime and all that. Um, Furman was cool, just it was special for me just for how all that, you yeah. know, unfolded. But, um, you know, you, you mentioned me bringing the team back. You know, if it wasn't for some of the mistakes I made and me being maybe a little too cautious, um, we wouldn't have had to have that dramatic comeback. So that's a, something I really have to get better at and improve on this week. Um, but it, it, was, uh, it was a whole, you know, team effort there. The defense was able to make some critical stops. The offensive line protected well all night. We were able to run the ball a lot, and the receivers were running good routes and getting open. Um, you know, things opened up, I think, when we started going in more hurry-up tempo, mm. um, and I think that kind of caught them off guard a little bit. So uh, once we started doing that, um, I think we got in a little rhythm there, and uh, you know, we were able to take that into the game and um, finish out regulation. Then overtime, something that um, I guess that was our third overtime game. Um, and I, I think we all feel pretty confident when we go into overtime. And, you know, after he missed that field goal, yeah. um, I think we kind of thought, okay, you know, this is our game to lose now because we just got dealt a really good hand. I know it's by the book. But do you understand, especially as an offensive player yourself, quarterback, do you like the idea of let's play for the field goal? Western Carolina's game is touchdowns. Their game is Tyree Adams making plays. And then after 14 yards on two plays, they kind of packed it in and played for the field goal. And I'm not asking you to criticize anyone or anything like that. But 
Uh, certainly, I, I think it raised a few eyebrows from our end when we looked and saw Mark Spear kind of playing for that field goal where, let's be honest, aside from maybe J.J. German, there's not a sure field goal, it seems like, in all of FCS or, or most of college football. We've seen FBS games. Even in the NFL, every level of football, a field goal is never a sure thing. So to have Mark Spear play for the field goal, great for ETSU, right? Because got some good push up the middle. Not sure if that got into the mind of the kicker and he kind of tugged it left. But however the thought process may have been, he misses it. ETSU gets that chance in second overtime, go to the third overtime, get the win after you get the touchdown and the two. But uh, I, do you like that as a, a, an offensive player? Do you understand it? Yeah, I, I completely understand it. I think if I'd been that situation, I'd done the same mm. thing. Um they did it on third down because, obviously, if there's a botch snap um, yep. or hold, mm -hmm. um, then they'd have another opportunity. Right. But, I mean, that was the, the right situation. They're on the left hash for, you know, a right-footed kicker. So um, that's that's exactly what you want. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I thought it was exactly what they should do. Okay. And, um, you know, when he missed it, I, you know, you're, you're happy for your team, but you're also thinking – yeah, man, that that really stinks for that kid, and yeah. you know he's upset. So um, I guess that's part of uh, you know just playing and making so many mistakes yourself. You kind of <laughs> feel 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 bad for the other guy when he makes mistakes. You know, so. you know the feeling. I mean, everyone makes mistakes, and I think in football, if you play a lifetime of football, you're going to have a couple days like that, right? Mm -hmm. And thankfully, more days for ETSU lately have gone the opposite way yeah. than how things went for Western Carolina. Before we move on to Mercer, I got to ask. Coming into this year, I'm sure you had a few memories you look back on from, and I'm sure Mercer's game last year was maybe one of them where you hit Juwan Stinson 25 yards for the walk-off touchdown, uh, quote-unquote, 26-23, I think the final was. And I'm sure you had a number of other memories that stacked up in the top five. That list has got to be completely thrown out of its head after this year, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it's been such a weird year for me. Um, not how I would have drawn it up at all, um, but... You know, two of those games in particular, the Furman and Western Carolina game, um, it's really tough to top those games in yeah. terms of the theatrics and just how it all played out. Um, so those are some games that I think we'll all think back on and be like, man, you know, that was really special to be a part of. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be tough to top that. You know, as a senior class, I think this is something that, you know, how could you have written out a better senior season? Tell us about Mercer. Uh, obviously, the memory last year, and then there's some others. You played them every year uh, since football has been back, so maybe some, a little bit more extensive experience against them than some of the other teams in the Southern Conference. You talked about last week Mercer being one of your favorite places to play, so I imagine you're excited to go down there. Yeah, you know, I, the bus ride's a, that's a long ride, yeah. and the bus ride back's not fun when you lose. Um, so we're trying to make it a better bus ride back than it's been. Um, but yeah, Mercer's a really talented team. They've got a lot, a lot of talent to choose from down there in that area in Georgia. Um, coach Lamb's been a great coach for a really long time. Um, and so, you know, on offense, they're kind of similar to Western Carolina. They can move the ball. They can score quick. Uh, and defensively, um, their scheme's similar to our defense, but, um, you know, they've got some dynamic players out there and they've got a lot of experience. So, um, it's going to be a challenge for us, and um, we just have to, like we keep saying, get better each and every week, eliminate some of the mistakes that we had last week, and you know, continue to move forward. I think um, the past couple of weeks we had some communication issues, 
and you know we're able to clean up some of those um, so if we can continue to you know get better at the little things um, and get better each and every week um, you know that that's really the only thing we can control so um, you know that's that's our focus going into this week is there an added sense of urgency because the bye week is almost here and this is another one of those games much like we talked about with I think it was Wofford uh, where there's storylines on each side that you stack them up against each other and you're like, boy, these things could really act as motivators and inspirations for each of these teams. Uh, for Mercer, for instance, they've, uh, it's their homecoming. You know, Again, we've got another team that has a homecoming, and there's a team that's still in the playoff hunt, outside shot for Mercer, right? But when you're in it, you know, any shot is, at this point in the season, one that you have to glean onto. And so there's a couple things on their side, and then for us it's like, well, Boy, I mean, we're talking game 10. You haven't had a day off in forever, I'm sure it seems like at this point. Um, and you're obviously chasing a playoff berth yourselves and a conference title. So what motivators, if you have used any as extra motivation for this week, have stood out most for your side? Uh, yeah, I don't know that there's any extra motivation. I do know that um, you know the bye week will be a really good time for us to kind of heal up and rest yeah. our bodies because – as you mentioned, you know, 10 weeks in a row plus fall camp plus all of summer conditioning mm-hmm. uh, wears and tears on your body. So uh, I think that would be really nice for us to have that week of recuperation and, you know, kind of you know, relaxing for a little bit, so to speak. So, um, yeah, I don't know if there's any motivation. I think that, um, you know, we want to we wanna go out there and play good so that you have a good taste in your mouth during the bye week is if you play bad, that's a long time to sit on a bad performance. So, um, you know, just going out there and, and doing what we do is really um, the focus of our team right now. Coaches every week when we talk to them say something different about you. Your your reputation is an incredible one in this conference, and they're all good things. Uh, what Bobby Lamb said this week was, boy, you know, that Austin Herrick can really run the ball. And he's like, man, maybe he's not the fastest or going to escape like, you know, a Tyree Adams or something like that. But, gosh, when, when he's not afraid to do it and he really finishes his runs and goes out there, and we've talked about this before, your mindset just, yeah, hey, I've got a few games left, might as well leave it out there. But this Mercer defense gives up 232 yards per game on the ground, and they're giving up 522 per game overall, which has been a virtual tie for last in the Southern Conference I'm not saying give away the game plan, but it seems like there's a lot of things to be exploited about this defense. Is Austin Herrick, the runner, going to be out in full force? Is Bobby Lamb a prophet? Is he giving us a view into the future, and Austin Herrick is running all over the Bears this weekend? Uh, I don't know. I, I hope to leave that up to Jacob and Quay. You know, when they run, you know, they do a lot better job than I do. Um, I, Coach Sanders said that he said something like, um, yeah, I think I can still throw better than Austin, but I definitely know I can run better than him. Um, so I'm glad that Coach Lamb is, uh, you know, really complimenting me on my running skills. So that makes me feel a little bit better about myself. But uh, no, I mean, if, if the opportunity presents itself, then then I should take off and run, and I, I plan to do that. But if not, just hang back there and throw, and you know, make the right checks and right reads. So. Um, Jacob and Quay and the offensive line can be in the best situation. So um, I enjoy running the ball. I think it kind of gets me into the game, getting hit a few times, and um, kind of settles me down. So um, if the opportunity presents itself, then you know, I'll, I'll, I'll run the ball. Having played Mercer a number of times, what kind of game do you expect it to be this weekend? 
Oh, it's going to be a four-quarter game. It's going to be physical. Um, you know, Mercer comes to play. Um, one thing I have noticed is maybe some teams have gotten out on them, you know, maybe a 20-point lead or something. They always seem to fight back and make it a really close game at the end. Um, so this isn't a team that you can get up on and they'll go away. You know, when you get up on these guys, you got to keep going. Um, something like we did against Gardner-Webb, you know, to kind of finish those guys off, have a good second half. And, and we can't let what happened against Chattanooga happen this week where if we do indeed get up, you got to finish off in that second half because if you don't, uh, they're going to be right there in the game with a chance to win it. So I think the keys for the game are similar that they've – They've been all year, you know, execute um, early on, you know, get things rolling, um, and then settle into the game if that doesn't happen, kind of like what we did at the Citadel. So um, just being an experienced team, being a team that, you know, can ride the waves and momentum throughout the game and, you know, be ready to go um, towards the end of the game and and then the fourth quarter, um, that's going to be really big for us. And, I think just to manage the situation and kind of all the implications that are this game, um, you know, handle those and and just execute and communicate. And um, if we do that, then we're giving ourselves the best opportunity to succeed. Breakdown of last week, preview of this coming week, Mercer and ETSU. That is tomorrow down in Macon. And when is kick? I think it's 3 o'clock. Yeah, that's right, 3 o'clock. Uh, from Five Star Stadium, one thirty pregame on the Buccaneers Sports Network. That's 90 minutes ahead of time per the usual conversations with players, coordinators, head coach Bobby Lamb of Mercer, as well as head coach Randy Sanders, and a ton more on the pregame show. 90 minutes ahead of time, 3 o'clock kickoff from Macon. When we're back with Austin Herrick, it is the route tree. Back to the traditional route tree after a bit of a departure last week. This is the Buccaneers Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in Northeast Tennessee and Southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics, Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Wendy's has an all-new... You had me at Wendy's. Good, because Wendy's has a new bacon cheeseburger, and it's called... You had me at bacon. Well, what if I told you Wendy's kept going and added a smoky, tangy sauce, and it's called the Sawsome Bacon... You had me at Sawsome. It's called the Sawsome Bacon Classic. Sawsome Bacon Classic? Sounds amazing. Why didn't you just say that from the start? Also, if you download the Wendy's app, you'll get special offers like $2 off any combo. Huh, well, now you have me downloading the Wendy's app. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulligan Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulligan's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson's Kidding locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, 
House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulligan Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Hear from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, don't be. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. The Route Tree with Austin Herrick. We are back on Sandos and the Sidekick. Sandos will be back for bowl predictions. I am Mike Gallagher and Austin Herrick, ETSU quarterback, along with us as he is every Friday here on Sandos and the Sidekick for the Route Tree. Now, we did something a little different last week, and it was looking into the future with the Route Tree. Um, it was not what we generally do, what we're, which we're going to get back to this week, but the choices you made in your routes they were involving Amari Cooper, Le'Veon Bell, Demarius Thomas, and Blake Bortles since it was the trade deadline this past Tuesday you said that it was the right choice to move Amari Cooper and the right choice for Jerry Jones to give up a first round pick for him for Dallas. We get to find out a little look into how that will work out for Dallas this week as they had a bye week last week and now Amari Cooper will play in his first game as a member of the Cowboys. You said that Le'Veon Bell, the Steelers should trade him out of the division. He was not moved and again these are just very preliminary things. We'll look at it a bit further down the road. Uh, Move to Marius Thomas. You proved to be a profit on that. He goes to Houston. Maybe part of that was the fact that Will Fuller went down with that ACL injury. He's now out for the year. Their number two receiver down in Houston. And Blake Bortles, you kind of gave some revisionist history for Jacksonville in the sense of, well, they probably should have upgraded at the position in the offseason. Since they didn't, you pretty much have to start them until the season's out of reach, then maybe see what you have in Cody Kessler or, or explore other options. So that was a future version of the route tree. The regular route tree, as we do it every week, is giving Austin Herrick scenarios from the past. He chooses what route he would have gone in the shoes of the people that are involved and the individuals that made the decisions at that time. And we have scenarios for how things in the past would have gone had that decision been made that Austin Herrick makes on the route tree. So we start with questions, and there's two of them this week, Austin. Firstly, if you were to live on a farm or in the big city the rest of your life, where would you live? Uh, That's tough because I'd like to say both. Um, I'd probably say the big city, though, if I had to pick one. Why is that? Um I'm kind of more of a city person. Um, I like, you know, things going on, but I do appreciate, um, you know, I, I would like to settle down in the country, but if I'm just going to be by myself, then I'd, I'd like to be in the city. Second one, are you a fan of sauerbraten? Sour what? <laughs> <laughs> the German cuisine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, I like German stuff. I took German three in high school, but... Um, no, I, I'm gonna have to say no because I'm not a big sour guy. I took. I don't even. I don't think it's probably sour. I think it's just a name for the. But I clearly. I Sa- think sour broth. Sour broughten. Is, is that does that mean sour broths? I don't even actually know. 
Clearly I think they have that at uh, Freiburg's downtown. Do they? Yeah. Okay, well, clearly you or me have never had it, yeah, obviously, yeah. right? Okay, so, so we're going to say no, and so that means that you have chosen your route. You'd be, I'm going to say your big city. Okay. It was where you're yeah, leaning, like 55, city, yeah. 45, yeah. and then you're not a fan of Sauerbraten. Okay. Go right ahead. So I, George Carl, head coach of the Milwaukee Bucks, will, who will one day backstab Carmelo Anthony and Kenyon Martin, would like to announce a trade in this 1998 NFL draft. We are not fans of the Sour Broughton or the man we selected with our 10th pick, Dirk Nowinski, rather than try and trade up for a big man. We believe that the future of the NBA is the backcourt, and we are swapping our 9th and 10th pick for the Boston Celtics who selected Paul Pierce. We would like to welcome Paul to Milwaukee, a place that is definitely not the tenth worst city in the United States, according to the <laughs> Wall Street Journal, twenty four seven in twenty seventeen. Yep. Wow. Shocking to say the least. So Carl, <laughs> later the head coach of the Denver Nuggets for nine years, and unfortunately the Sacramento Kings for two terrible seasons in twenty fifteen and twenty sixteen would never have to move on to those stops and say that Kenyon Martin and Carmelo Anthony had too much money and not enough dads to tell them how to spend it when he coached in Denver. That's what he said in his book. Yeah, I remember that yes. book. That was, uh, yeah, yeah. That was you, not you, good. You don't want to say things like that. Yeah. Instead, Pierce would be teamed with Ray Allen much earlier in his career in Milwaukee, and those two would also have Glenn Big Dog Robinson as well as Sam Cassell on the roster. Instead of being flyover country, Milwaukee would become a destination hub for basketball. The Bradley Center dubbed Madison Square Garden of the Midwest. I think that I like that. That's incredible. Alan Pierce, Big Dog, and Cassell would team to form a 15 years earlier Golden State Warriors, and instead of losing to the Philadelphia 76ers four games to three in the Eastern Conference Finals that season, the 2000-2001 season where the Sixers ended up losing to the Lakers four games to one, uh, the only game I believe the Lakers lost that entire postseason. Yes. They're an absolute power. Uh, they would, uh, instead of losing four games to three, they'd shoot AI out of the building and burn the Lakers' dynasty to the ground in the finals, winning the first of their three straight titles in the early 2000s. And that would mean that the Boston Celtics would never unite Ray and Paul in the late 2000s and early 2010s with Kevin Garnett, leaving the Celtics to try and form a franchise around Antoine Walker, wow. who, once, who once hoisted over four, 800 threes in one season. Needless to say... They would not go to 14 playoffs in 16 seasons, instead winning no more than 20 games any of those years until Walker would retire in 2010. In the 2006-2007 season, they broke the Philadelphia 76ers record for fewest wins in a year, going 8-74 and and bettering the Sixers 9-73 and from the 1972-73 season. So the route tree giveth to the Sixers. It also taketh away. The Sixers don't get their finals in 2001, and they get the floor mopped with them by the Lakers four games to one at that time. But they also don't have that horrific 72-73, uh, 9-73 season as the worst in NBA history anymore. So yeah. clearly much has changed with this route tree. To imagine a backcourt of Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Sam Cassell, and that now you'd have to play very small, of course. And this was back when, talking late 90s, early 2000s, there wasn't the run on guards there really is now, and there yeah. wasn't the up-and-down Warriors-type style. And I'm not saying the Warriors were the ones that innovated it, but certainly they've taken it to a whole other level. Yeah, I think it's a uh, kind of a natural progression in the sport. I think at some point they'll have to move back to you know th- those big guys dominating the pain, and someone's going to slow down the pace of these teams. But right now, 
you know, what a perfect transition to get, you know, the NBA out of the whole, like, we're just going to throw it down in the paint to Shaquille O'Neal and, you know, make him uh, or make you guys defend him and just battle with him all game. Now, well, we'll make Shaquille come out here and guard um, Boogie Cousins or Joel Embiid and, and tire him out so when he gets down in the paint, you know, he's not as effective. Um, I think the whole small ball deal is really intriguing. It's fun. And, you know, I think it rewards the skilled players, which um, I can appreciate that. You know, I think there was such a high price on how athletic people were. And, like, um, I guess from really after Jordan was out um, until, like, I'd say about 2008, 2009, where the magic got good, um, you know, it was just there's such a a premium a premium on the tall guys and the really athletic guys and now it's more you know the Steph Curry's of the world can really have a solid career and uh, like JJ Redick um, you know early on in his career he didn't have a really a spot in the league because you know why would you have a guy who can just shoot and right. play mediocre defense now you get as many shooters as you can on the floor they're running and, plays for him now he's coming off screens exactly, he's a target. Yeah. And so, you know, guys like that, you know, this, the skilled shooters and the, the big man who can really move and pass, uh, there's a spot for those guys. And if you're just a one-dimensional player now, um, you know, there's not really a spot for you in the league. So I really like the way the league's gone. So here's what actually happened with this scenario. This was named one of the, really anywhere you look, 20 worst trades in NBA history uh, and it was for the Milwaukee Bucks. It is crazy to think about what could have happened if they would have kept Dirk Nowitzki or traded him for someone else in this yeah. route tree scenario's case. Uh, Dirk and Pat Garrity were traded from Milwaukee to Dallas, of course, uh, for Robert Tractor, tra- God rest his soul, uh, died at 34 of a heart attack. But um, never, and I, I'm not speaking ill of the past on here, but just never amounted to what was at the time uh, the number six overall pick. He was insanely good in college, too. Yeah. I mean, he was absolutely incredible at, at Michigan, um, but never amounted to what people thought he would. So had the Bucks done anything else, I, I mean, traded him for Ray Allen, Dirk Nowitzki, that is, traded Dirk Nowitzki for Ray Allen because uh, – or Paul Pierce, I'm sorry, for uh, Paul Pierce, and you already had Ray Allen. If you just swapped the ninth and 10th picks, Nowitzki being taken ninth by Milwaukee and Pierce being taken 10th, uh, imagine the possibilities there. And just imagine if you hold on to Dirk, then you're talking Ray Allen, Sam Cassell, Big Dog Robinson, and Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, it, it's absolutely incredible. So Milwaukee really did shoot themselves in the foot in that situation. And there's another route tree scenario that uh, could have gone differently that, once again, we'll revisit later in the year on, on the lost branches of the route tree. But that's where this scenario comes from. Always stands out in my mind when you talk about trades that teams regret. And being a Minnesota Timberwolves fan, this one kind of directly affects what would have happened in the future with Kevin Garnett because Kevin Garnett was traded for Al Jefferson and really a bunch of talking gumball machines after that. You know, just, I mean, Sebastian Telfair and guys that. Gerald Green, you know, guys that stayed in the league for a little bit of time but just never contributed, and Minnesota went into a tailspin after they moved Garnett. But this scenario, near and dear to my heart, um, and again, Robert Tractor Trailer, a very sad story, obviously the fact mm-hmm. that he's passed on, but uh, very sad as well for, I'm sure, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in that trade over the next number of years to see Robert not amount to what they thought he would be. Yeah, and, you know, that happens uh, throughout his, and that's the cool thing about the route tree that – you know, so many different scenarios yeah. could have played out. But, um, you know, that situation in particular took 
Milwaukee from particularly could had a really good NBA Title franchise yeah. for the last you know ten fifteen seasons, and you know now they're kind of they got some you know good future looks with uh, the Greek Freak and all that, but before him, I mean that probably one of the worst you know future outlook teams you know in the, in the NBA. And think about connecting that era with what they have now like because you would have had a core and this I guess this isn't really how it works in the NBA right free agency and players go out elsewhere and stuff but imagine a perfect world for Milwaukee where 10 or 15 years they've got at least two or three of those guys and Sam Cassell was aging so he's probably the one that drops off right but Ray and Paul, they played up until, you know, just a few years ago. Yeah. And uh, with, uh, with Dirk, now, again, our scenario was that, um, that Paul is, is the one that goes to Milwaukee. But say Dirk stays in Milwaukee in, in a different scenario, uh, he's, you know, still playing to this point, which yeah. is absolutely crazy. That could have been the original small ball team. Think exactly. about Dirk and uh, Ray Allen. You oh. could really stretch the floor. Oh, absolutely insane. Yeah. And now naysayers of this scenario will say, well, what Boston, I mean, they got Dirk, and what, they just crashed and burned? Well, remember that Dirk was teamed with Steve Nash and had some pretty good surrounding pieces down there in Dallas at the time before Nash was eventually uh, eventually moved on to Phoenix and ended up winning two MVPs there, speaking of good surrounding casts, and Steve Nash, just an unbelievable playmaker with those guys. Uh, he was, I think, one of the most unique players um, and unique styles in NBA history. But, again, I mean, we can go on and on and on about, about the route tree and different ways you can go but that is this week's route tree uh the topic of which Dirk Nowitzki and Austin Herrick thanks so much for joining us again man appreciate it thank you guys Austin Herrick on the route tree ETSU quarterback who leads the Bucks into Macon Saturday three o'clock kickoff make sure to check in with us on Monday we'll talk all about it and tune in 1 30 Saturday for the pregame show 90 minutes ahead of kickoff voice of the Bucks Jay Sandoz myself Matt Wilgram Robert Harper Don Hellman Trey Adams Jacob Towns and the whole crew will be on the call for Boy, one of the biggest games in ETSU football recent history. We'll be back with bold predictions on Santos and the Sidekick. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were. This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway, he scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. 
Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole, the clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. 19- 13. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. There is no way LeBron James leaves Cleveland again. I agree with Jarvis Landry. I think the Browns are a Super Bowl contender this year. How in the world can you not see that Big Baller brand is far superior to making the NBA than Puma? Yeah, rumors fly a lot. Jason Witten is not going to Monday Night Football. I mean, the Mike Ayers rumor that he's leaving, no way. I bet he's there until 2025. Terrell Owens has made a career off jawing, running his mouth. Will he be in Chattanooga for his Hall of Fame induction? No chance. He'll be in Canton. Bold prediction. Oh, another exciting day of bold predictions before the weekend where I will get several right, and, of course, Mike will get several wrong. That sounds right, doesn't it? Uh, Not how things have gone, but if you're planning on turning things around, then that does sound right. Yeah, I do not. Okay. uh, All right, Jacob, recap time, buddy. What you got? And uh, make sure you've got me leading. Go. Sorry, Jay, to be the bearer of bad news, but Mike is actually in first with getting 10 right already this year, batting 333. You've only gotten seven right, batting 219. So uh, keep that chin up, buddy. Good for Jacob for telling the truth because – you kind of are the boss of this thing, blah, right? Blah, Your blah, name's blah. on the show, and so he could be like, well, you know, there were a couple that Jay texted me, much like you guys did earlier this week. Maybe that joke's just played, and that's why he's not doing it anymore. He tried to get in your back pocket by just sliding you a few bold predictions under the table. I am very happy that uh, chaos has been put aside and sanity reigns on this show. Not often, but in this segment at least. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair until Jacob needs his timesheet signed again, right? <laughs> and then uh, maybe he doesn't get paid. That's uh that's the advantage of being the boss, Mike. That's Heed that warning, Jacob. Heed that warning. So we each had two right last week? Yeah, I thought we did pretty well. Now it took you five predictions to get well, two Well, I got right, a little crazy on like seven <laughs> ETSU predictions. I did enjoy once. how crazy you got last week. So but uh, so does that mean you still get a defer? Yeah, or what, better uh, percentage. I defer to you. All right. I'm going to go ETSU holds Mercer. Holds Mercer under Three fifty, uh, three hundred total offense under three hundred total offense. I was gonna say three fifty. Yeah, that's both three hundred. Certainly both. Now, of course, if there's no Kalen Riley, but still, though, we don't know that. So uh, that is still bold. I agree on the boldness. I'm gonna go zero turnovers for ETSU, and maybe that much like three fifty. You know, wouldn't have been a bold prediction a couple weeks ago. But the last two weeks, the five turnovers, all interceptions, their turnover margin, as we mentioned earlier in the show, 
after being on the good side of zero the whole year back to even 18 turnovers, 418 against Sanford and VMI, the only teams that have actually turned the ball over more than ETSU this year, 20 apiece. So I thought that was surprising, and it certainly has changed a bit over the last couple weeks because I don't know about you, Jay, but I certainly thought that ETSU for the longest time, and maybe it was just the fact that they were taking the ball away so much and the turnover margin then maybe a bit deceptive in that fact, but it felt like that ETSU was taking care of the ball pretty well. Yeah, and I think it's uh, – and, and so let's be honest, again, a couple of turnovers are mishaps and it happens. So you have the deflected ball at the line, right? And a good play by the defense lineman, get his hands up, deflected all that. Then you have in and out of a receiver's hand. You have a receiver fall down, and all that plays into it, and you can't take it away. It happens, right? It's a takeaway regardless of how you do it. But a little bit of bad luck uh, went into a couple of those. Uh, and, you know, you sort of make your own breaks. I think we've talked about that before on the show. So to be able to bounce back, got to take care of the football. ETSU, honestly, has done a good job not fumbling the football it's really been interceptions and it seems a lot of it is either tip balls or miscommunications which again happens one way or another now can the defense get back on the turnover train because western had been uh turning it over hasn't as of late mercer actually one of the better teams at not turning over the football as well so we'll see if the bucks can on the road try to force the situation and what's supposed to be uh, a little bit overcast uh, i think it's upper 60s should be a beautiful day so weather won't be an issue down there as far as that goes all right what else you got I'm going Baylor. Baylor at home against Oklahoma State. I love to take a team that came off an emotional win off a top 25. Matter of fact, the top, what, six team in the Texas Long. Jacob, I know he's going to chime in here about his Texas Longhorns maybe. but Shut up, Jacob. If there's a situation where a team's coming off a high, there's the overcompensate, right? Oh, they beat Texas. they got to beat Baylor on the road. So Baylor's eight, nine-point underdogs at home. I'm going to take Marcus Satterfield, former ETSU offense coordinator, for a week and a half. I'm going to take him <laughs> to lead the charge. I'm going Satterfield and the Baylor Bears. Those were a great 10 days, weren't they? Uh, I'm going to go with Northwestern over Notre Dame. I'm going back to the well on the Wildcats. Since I predicted them to upset your, at that time, number 14 Michigan Wolverines, who are now number five in the country, got a big one against Funny enough, the number 14 team in the country in the big house this week, Penn State. I stayed away from that game as tempting as it was, but since I predicted Northwestern to beat Michigan, and it ended up being 2017 in favor of Michigan, Northwestern has rattled off four wins in a row. 29-19 over Michigan State. That was a top 20 team. 34-31 against Nebraska. Probably a bit too close for comfort for a terrible Nebraska team to not to only beat them by three, I think. Uh, was not a great result, but still a victory. Nonetheless, college football, you'll take it. Road win at Rutgers by three. Anytime you can win on the road, you'll take that as well. And then last week, a victory over Wisconsin by two full touchdowns. Also a top 20 team. It's five in a row this week. Notre Dame crashes and burns outside of the playoffs, and I just love the sound of it, so I'm going with it. It's more of a pick from the heart than that makes a ton of sense, but they are hot right now, and Northwestern has burned me once. Hopefully they don't do it again. So for the NFL, yes. I've got two I was looking at. All right. And I'll give it to you, and then I'll pick one. But I'm looking at Buffalo at home versus the Bears. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Angry man's going to be extra angry next week. Fitz Magic. Ooh, yes. At Carolina. Leads the league in quarterback rating. Ryan Fitzpatrick. And that's where I'm going. Mainly because I don't want Angry Man to punch me in the face. <laughs> I'm going 
Tampa Bay, touchdown dog, at their own at Carolina Panthers, coming off the dominant performance, right? They're dominant. Tampa looked terrible. They overreact from everybody. I'm going Fitz Magic to pull off the upset in Charlotte. Oh, 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 Fitz Magic. I love that pick. I'm going Amari Cooper in his first game as a Cowboy, 125 receiving yards or more. I'm going down with that ship. I have him in like every one of my fantasy leagues. He's been absolutely terrible the entire year. He's got a new setting. He's gotten a bye week to learn the culture, get some of the offense that he may not have known under his belt, and work with Dak Prescott. 125 or more from Amari Cooper, and it's going to benefit me because he is instantly inserted very into all of my lineups. Very disappointed in you. Very disappointed in you. Why? I really thought you were going new regime, Cleveland over Kansas City. I really thought that's where you were going. I, we shouldn't revisit the Tehran, Lou, Hugh Jackson firings again because I'm going to get really fired up. <laughs> well, we need to do that then. Uh, I like uh, it when you get a little discombobulated. Uh, all right, Jacob, hit the close. Thank you. On cue, too. Jacob is on his stuff back in studio, despite the fact that we don't let him talk a lot during this segment anymore. I mean, why would we? Why would we? Uh... Great bold predictions. I'm excited to uh, for all of them to come to fruition and to hear about how great we are on Monday. So, you know what I think is uh, going to happen is that the, the Bears will lose, and, of course, it's magic will throw five INTs, and I'll be kicking myself again for yet a, another bad bold prediction. Probably. All right, ETSU Mercer will wrap it up on Monday. We'll also give you results. Women's soccer tournament. Don't forget they're in action tonight. Semifinal action. They try to bring home a uh, Southern Conference championship in advance of the NCAA tournament. Go Bucks! Volleyball, men's soccer all going as well. But we'll break down the game. ETSU Mercer on Monday's episode. We'll begin a new week of Sandos and the Sidekick. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Bye. On Sandos and the Sidekick on the Air Sports Network.